Let's pray together. Father in heaven, thank you so much for Sunday mornings, the opportunity for us to meet together, God, and to gather with other people who are looking to you. And we ask, Father, that you would move in our hearts and in our lives and that you would give us faith that we would be those that are believing. But, Father, we pray that it would be according to your truth, that it would be because of who you are and what you've done and because we know Christ to be our Savior that died for our sins and rose again. Father, we thank you that this morning we are gathered here to worship you. We ask your blessing on us now and on your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you would, turn in the Bible to the book of Philemon. The book of Philemon is what we started last week. If you didn't bring a Bible, it's page 1098 in the pew Bible there. That's the black Bibles in the pew. The book of Philemon, page 1098. Man, I'm tired. It was thunder over Louisville weekend, and you may have been busy yesterday or maybe a late night. Uh, the sun was strong this weekend, so I know many of you all already have uh, some sunburn. And for w- so many other reasons, you may be thinking that you're tired. Well, here in the book of Philemon today, we're going to look at the idea of being refreshed or refreshment or freshness and the need for that and where does it come from. And while life is made up of the emotional side and the physical side and the, and the spiritual side and, and all of these different variables to life, I want today to look at, from the book of Philemon, more specifically, spiritual freshness, which I know that all of us need and all of us long for, a spiritual Freshness. Now, it was last week that I introduced the, the book of Philemon. It's a small book, really, really small book. It's the last in the New Testament of the letters that Paul wrote. It's so small that there aren't even uh, chapters. It's just verses. It's that small. It's not even a whole page, very little. And it's really just one story. And if you were here last week, you heard me uh, preach on the idea of your story. What is your story and God's story and how God is working through you? And Philemon is a story. And last week I told you that our Stories are written by God. God is working in the midst of them. And you see this really from four different ways. And I talked about the people in your life, the places in your life, the pains in your life, and then lastly, the providence of God in your life is what is shaping your story. And so I want us to remember that every time that we're in the book of Philemon because we're going to see this story, read this story, and really be taken back by it, and hopefully shaped by it, as this story is a powerful story. And then I want us to spend a few weeks, like we're doing, uh, looking at the different aspects today, freshness. So read with me, if you will, again, the the whole story. I'll read all 25 verses. Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved fellow worker, and Apphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and the church in your house. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers because I hear of your love and of the faith that you have toward the Lord Jesus and for all the saints. And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. For I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you accordingly Though I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required, yet for love's sake I prefer to appeal to you. I, Paul, an old man and now a prisoner also for Christ Jesus, I appeal to you for my child, Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Formerly he was useless to you, 
but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. I am sending him back to you, sending my very heart. I would have been glad to keep him with me in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel, but I preferred to do nothing without your consent in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion but of your own accord. For this, perhaps, is why he was parted from you for a while, that you might have him back forever, no longer as a bondservant, but more than a bondservant, as a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. So if you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. If he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it to say nothing of your owing me, even your own self. Yes, brother, I want some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I say. At the same time, prepare a guest room for me, for I am hoping that through your prayers I will be graciously given to you. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends greetings to you, and so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. This is an awesome story. The story is that you've got this man, Philemon, who in all accounts seems to be a good godly Christian man. He's a leader. Uh, he's a leader in the church, possibly even like a lay leader or a lay pastor, and, and that's who he is. But he had, a, he had a servant that stole from him and ran away, okay? He stole from Philemon and ran away, and he ends up in Rome. Well, Paul is a prisoner in Rome, a prisoner not because he did anything bad, but because he was preaching the gospel, telling people about Jesus, so Paul's in prison. A lot of the New Testament is shaped around Paul being in prison. Well, this guy, Onesimus, was the, was the, the runaway, and he runs away and ends up in Rome. Well, Paul, even from prison, is preaching the gospel, telling people how Jesus changes lives. And in some weird turn of events, which we call the providence of God, they end up together. Paul in prison meets Onesimus, or Onesimus ends up meeting Paul, and when you hear the word preached, God works through it, so Onesimus gets saved. God changes his life. Paul does a little play on words there with that useless and useful, and says he used to be useless, but now he's useful. Well, that's the meaning of his name, so it's a, it's a play on words. And so what Paul tells him is, man, you've got to go back, and you've got to apologize. And you need to seek forgiveness, and you need to be restored. And no more so just to be a servant or whatever. Now, y'all are brothers in Christ. Y'all are going to be closer than you've ever been, and you need to go back. Well, Paul knows Philemon because they're there at the church in Colossae. The, 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 letter that the, the letter of Colossians, the church that the letter of the Colossians was written to. So Paul knows him. So he's writing this personal letter to his friend Philemon. Saying, hey, guess what? We've got another mutual friend now. You didn't know I knew Onesimus, did you? But I do. And man, he's got a story to tell you. God has changed his life. He's become a Christian now, and I'm sending him back from you. And I ask you to welcome him back, receive him back, extend grace, extend mercy, and it will be better than it ever was. And he even says, if he owes you anything, I don't know how bad the, the theft was, but whatever he owes you, charge it to me, and I'll make sure you get paid back. But let's make sure that the witness of Christ and the love of God 
And the grace of God is seen in all of these relationships, most importantly, even there in those church relationships. It's a good story. It's a story about forgiveness and about friendship and about redemption. It's a story about how God works through all types of little details of the story. It's a story about how when things look really bad, God is still there. That's what it's about. Well, I want to show you in verse 20, Paul says, yes, brother, I want some benefit from you in the Lord. And look what he asks for. Refresh my heart in Christ. He wants some refreshment. And the reality is, folks, is that so do we. Maybe daily, maybe weekly. Maybe you're here today thinking, this is the last time I'm coming. If I don't get refreshed today, I'm done. But we need to be refreshed. I want you to see this too. I want to give you three points today, and it's going to be rather wordy, but I want you to get it. Number one, a fresh church. Number two, a refreshed church. And number three, a refreshing church. In so many ways, they're all the same thing. Fresh, refreshed, and refreshing are all the same. But I want to point out a difference here today. A fresh church, a refreshed church, and a refreshing church. Now, just for clarity, and I hope that that many of you know this, but let me just be clear on what I mean by church. I certainly don't mean this building, this property, or this place. I don't mean 413 Fairdale Road. By church, what I mean is the people who are trusting in God for salvation, for the, give, for the forgiveness of sins. I don't mean people that go to church. I don't mean church goers. I mean really, truly, authentic Christian people. That's what I mean by the church, okay? So all sermon long, as I keep saying a fresh church or a refreshed church, I'm talking about true people of God that say God's my father and I'm trusting in God for the forgiveness of sins and I follow Jesus. I'm talking about Christ followers, okay? It's good for us to remind ourselves that the church never has been, never will be the building, right? The church is the people, right? If a big tornado comes through here at about 11.45 today and wipes out the whole building and we all uh, get on our knees and the building's gone and five minutes later the tornado's gone and we all pop back up, guess what? There is still a First Baptist Church of Fairdale. It's the people, okay? So when I say church all sermon long today, I want you to be thinking of the people who follow Christ. The church is not just this church. The church is a universal church. Whether you're in China or whether you're in Australia or whether you're in North Africa or whether you're in Mexico or whether you're anywhere else, right? Indiana or Kentucky, no matter where you are, if Christ is your hope, your Lord and Savior, then you are the church of the living God. Spirit-filled, born again, made new, the family of God. That is the church. The church meets in local churches, places like this, places like Mount Holly Methodist, places like Fairdale Christian, right? These are churches. These are people that believe in Jesus. These are all one big church working together, belong together, if our hope is Christ. So that's what I mean by the church, okay? A fresh church, a refreshed church, and a refreshing church. Anytime you start talking about refreshing, which he asked in verse 20, refresh my heart in Christ, Paul is longing for freshness. 
And you're going to get today that what we, what we want to get here is freshness from refreshness. I want to be refreshed so that I'll be fresh. And I'm not fresh so I need to be refreshed. That's what I'm going to be talking about so much today. And you know what fresh is. Fresh is something that's got the appearance of newness, right? You ever been to a gas station wanting to get you a donut and you said, well, how long have those donuts been there, right? Or perhaps the coffee at a gas station. When's the last time you made that coffee, right? You're looking for it to have been made recently, right? How fresh is this? If this has been sitting here for a while, then I'm probably not going to, right? We're looking for that in our lives, though. We're looking for that, spiritually speaking, a a newness about us, a a freshness. And this is what he longs for when he says, refresh my heart in Christ. But I want to begin by saying, before we can have a refreshed church or a refreshing church, we must have an idea of a fresh church. We must have an idea of what we're wanting, what we're wanting to be, what we're longing for. Eyes on Christ, here today with a a pure and sincere heart, here wanting to truly have worshipped God. I know that this may sound crazy, but for many of us were here today and it hasn't entered our mind yet that we came to worship him we just came because we come or we just came thinking lunch can't get here quick enough or we just came thinking I can't wait for my wife to get back right or all of these different thoughts and we have not even remembered this morning the freshness of the only reason we're here is to worship God and the main reason that we're here is to worship God. And so that's what I mean by freshness. We need to have an idea of freshness. So let's talk about both Paul and Philemon. And I want to tell you here today that we know Paul to be a fresh follower of Christ, and we know Philemon to be a fresh follower of Christ, fresh, new, alive, vibrant in them. Let me show you. Paul is fresh. Let me give you four points on him. He's a thankful person. He's thankful. Verse 4 says, I thank my God always. This is such a clear sign of whether you're fresh or not. You've been feeling good before and somebody's done it. Thank you so much. You've also done like this before. You didn't even think about saying thank you. You can sense Paul's freshness, the gratitude in his heart and in his life that he's a thankful person. Verse 4 says, I thank my God always when I remember you. Second thing about Paul's freshness is that he's able to remember. And remembering means that you have perspective, right? How many times have you said something about somebody else and you forgot that you've done that before too? He's so impatient or he's so rude or he's such a jerk or he's so judgmental and you forgot that you're that way sometimes too. And the inability to remember things shows that you're not very fresh. You ever found yourself at the end of the day and you're just so exhausted that you said, man, I've been up since 5 a.m. and I just can't think straight. And you know that if you were to go to bed and get you a good night's rest, you'd wake up and there'd be a freshness about you. Paul has this, spiritually speaking, that there's a, there's a remembering about him. Don't we all know somebody that's a part of a church or, or kind of a burnt out Christian and they, they've, they've they're failing to remember so much of the, the goodness or what they were like when they were a Christ, younger Christian or that there have been bad days in the past and good days in the past. So much of a, of a healthy living and a healthy Christian life is being able to remember some things. Hey, I've been there too. Hey, he got us through that. He'll get us through this. Paul's thankful. Paul is remembering. He says that in verse 4. I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers. Remember, he's not 
there anymore. He used to be there. When's the last time you remembered somebody where you used to be? Have you ever lived somewhere else and do you remember those people? Have you ever loved somebody else and you remember them? Do you ever call back home? Do you ever go visit? See, so much of a healthy perspective is remembering so much of the past. So much of us being able to love people well, see people well, is being able to remember. Paul's fresh because he's thankful. He's fresh because he remembers. And then the third thing I want to point out, you see there in verse 6 is, in verse 4 and 6, is that Paul prays for people. He prays for other people. He prays for other people. Look what it says. I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers. Verse 6, and I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective. Now listen, the question here today is not, do you pray? I know you all pray, but do you pray for other people? See, one clear picture of us being not very fresh is that the very little praying that we do do is all for me. I just pray about me. God, help me get this job, and God, help me get this worked out, and God, please help me to get some more money, and God, please help this work out where the very piece of clothing that I'm wanting, they're going to have still at the store, and they're not sold out in my size, and we just are praying about ourselves all the time, and we think that's our spiritual lives. Well, that's a sign of not being very fresh. Paul is praying for them. When was the last time you prayed for the people in our church that are leading a responsibility? working with the young people, working with the children, leading in the nursery? When's the last time that you prayed that this sermon on a Sunday morning would be good for the people that are listening, right? What happens is we kind of get bogged down, and the first thing that goes sometimes is thinking about other people, being thankful for other people, remembering other people, and then praying for other people, and it just starts to come back like this, and it's a sign that we're not fresh, but Paul is fresh. He's praying for them. He's no longer a missionary there in Colossae. He's now in Rome and he's in prison, but he's praying for those people. It's a a freshness. Let's take it one more step. I said there were four. Thankful, remembers, he prays. But then this one, he hears. He still has his ears open to all the good things that are going on out there. He's still celebrating that God's working in somebody else's life. You ever been happy for somebody else? You ever been celebrating somebody else? I'm so happy for you. Or does everybody else's joys and accomplishments and successes just create resentment and a bitterness and a frustration? Or does it, are, are we so self-centered that we quickly get to Why am I not like that? What's wrong with me? This is a picture of not being fresh. But I want you to see that Paul is fresh. Look what we see about him in just a few verses. He's a thankful person. He's a remembering person. He's a praying person. He's a hearing person. Verse 5 says, Because I hear of your love and of the faith that you have toward the Lord Jesus and for all the saints. Paul from prison is happy that Philemon loves his church. He's happy that he loves Jesus. Man, I'm so glad to hear that. So glad to hear, Philemon, that you're doing well. Not seen you in a while, but I know you love the Christians, man. I know you love the church. I know you're focused on God. 
There's a freshness about Paul that he's that way. And if you've not been that way, then be encouraged that you need to get back to being fresh. And that's what the sermon's going to be about. But let's also look at Philemon. Is he fresh? Verse 5, Paul says that Philemon loves Jesus and he loves the church. Remember, it's Paul hearing that. Well, it's Philemon that's doing that. It's Philemon that actually loves his church and loves the Lord and is a part of his church. It's Philemon that has faith in Jesus. The whole of Christianity and the whole of salvation and the whole of those that will get to heaven by the grace of God are those who are trusting in Christ. And Paul says he hears and prays and remembers that Philemon has faith toward the Lord Jesus. That's fresh. Have you drifted into going through the motions? Have you lost your faith in Christ? He goes on and says that Philemon has a love toward all the saints. But perhaps the best sign of Philemon's freshness here, in verse 7, Paul says, I've derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother. Look at this. Because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. There's a church of people that are being refreshed. You know what's refreshing them? This fella, Philemon. He refreshes the hearts of the saints. These are categories, y'all, that so often in church we don't even think about. That God is making a freshness in one person, and as he is involved in the lives of these other people, they are becoming fresh, or they are refreshed. So what I want you to see here is that Paul has a freshness about him, and Philemon has a freshness about him. We've got some young guys in the church now that have kind of gotten into cutting hair and they got their own clippers and they're trying to fix each other up and they're fixing hair all the time, getting nice tight fades. And I like that. And every time I see them, I'm like, wow, man, haircut's looking good. I was like, you look fresh, man, looking fresh. Your, your hair looks good. And you know what that means? It means it's new cut, nice and tight, clean cut. It looks good, right? We get this idea of freshness. But... As soon as we start talking about freshness, loving God, the right perspective, balance in our lives, understanding that life's about God, not getting too worked up, living with our conviction and our principles, yet being people of patience, bearing fruit, right, living for God, walking by faith, eyes on Jesus, that's freshness. But as soon as we get this idea of freshness, then it brings to mind but we're not always fresh. We're not always fresh. You can see this so clearly with the way God made humans. God made us to where every 24 hours, we're supposed to go from peak freshness to worn out, needing refreshing, and God provides sleep. I know you haven't thought about that much, but God designed that. You're supposed to wake up ready to go, go hard all day, and by the end of the day, say, I can't go anymore. And God says, lay down and go to sleep. And sleep you a good whatever, seven, eight hours. Wake up feeling fresh. 
or refreshed. God designed that. God made us that way. And there's not a person here that can go without sleeping for too long. You will feel terrible. And the last thing on your mind and the very last word to describe you would be, she's fresh or he's fresh. No, you are give out. You're worn out. And God made us that way. God made us to be fresh. So while we have this idea of what freshness is, and we see it a little bit in Paul, we see it a little bit in Philemon, the reality is, is that we need to be refreshed. The Paul that I'm describing as fresh is the one who says, I know Philemon to be a heart refresher, but it's also him in verse 20 that asks, refresh my heart in Christ. Paul wants to be refreshed. And so since we're not always fresh, a fresh church needs a refreshed church. A fresh church is to be a refreshed church. And I want us to get this cycle, if you will. At times, we need refreshing. And when we get refreshed, the result is freshness. So a fresh church is one that has been a refreshed church. A fresh person is one who is a refreshed person, meaning that this cycle is what's real. There's nobody out there that's naturally fit. And you look at somebody and you say, man, you're just, you're just so fit. They're not always fit or naturally that way. And they have some things in their life that they are doing continually and consistently, working out, drinking water, doing whatever they do, that is maintaining this fitness. And so it is spiritually for people who want to love God. Tomorrow's another day. Another hard day, another trying day, another exhausting day, another frustrating day, another sin-filled, temptation-filled day. But I want to be fresh tomorrow, living for Jesus as a light in the world, doing good for the glory of God. I want to be that tomorrow, but I won't end up that way unless I'm refreshed. If I want to be fresh tomorrow, I've got to be refreshed for tomorrow. And this is so clear in the book of Philemon. A fresh church is a church that knows It needs to be refreshed regularly and often. A Christian that's starting to express how burnt out they are or ready to give up they are or discouraged they are is one who has forgotten that you're not automatically fresh. It's saying, I need to be refreshed. None of you all say, I'm not charging my phone anymore and it better keep working. None of y'all say that. It's like clockwork. You charge it. You've got to have it. And you're going to make sure that it's ready for you. And so it is spiritually speaking, and we see this here. Notice in the book of Philemon that the fresh Paul or the fresh Philemon that we're talking about hardly have perfect lives. Paul writes from prison. He's in chains as he's writing this. Shackles. Philemon is dealing with a fugitive runaway. He's got drama in his life. He's trying to process all of that. He's not writing uh, clear and easy life Paul to clear and easy life Philemon. This is one of the things that I remind y'all every single week. The Christian people in the world and the church people in the world are not the people in the world who have it all figured out. We don't have cake lives. Our lives are just a mess as everybody else's. We're not going to act like we do. We're not fresh people, we're refreshed people. But refreshed people should be fresh people because of the constant refreshing. And the believers are to know this. Philemon is dealing with drama. He's burdened by that. They are being refreshed often in their not-so-fresh situation. Be honest. You read the book of Philemon and you get good vibes on Paul and Philemon, right? 
That's not a stretch. If you read the book of Philemon, you get good vibes on Paul and Philemon. But if you wanted to, and you put yourself in Paul's place or Philemon's place, right? You could twist it very much so real quickly into cry me a river, right? Give me a break, man. Things aren't going well. You got time? Sit down. I'll tell you all about it. If you wanted to twist Paul's outlook or perspective into poor old me, you absolutely could. God started to work in Paul's life. He said, okay, I want to start living for God. And it starts going downhill in a lot of ways. People are trying to kill him. People are beating him. People are robbing him. Make it worse. Now he's in jail. You could go that way. Philemon's been trying his hardest to be a leader in the church there in Colossae, and it's not going well. He's got people stealing from him. He's got everybody talking about that. He's got a guy that's run away. His phone's blowing up. Everybody's wanting, hey, man, what happened? Can you tell me your side of the story? Everybody's asking, just like y'all's lives. But when you read it, you see a freshness. And the very point I want to make is that a fresh church is not really a fresh church. It's actually a refreshed church. I love getting this distinction. Let me go back to the illustration of the fresh haircut, right? Again, like the fresh haircut, it looks fresh, but the reason why it looks fresh is because it just got cut. And if it just got cut, it's because it needed to be cut. And if you could have seen it before it walked into the barbershop or before it sat down in the chair, before the clippers hit the head, it was actually growing out and didn't look so fresh. And this is how we are. We need to be refreshed regularly and often in order to be fresh. In order to maintain our freshness, we must understand that we need refreshing. Just listen to a few verses. 2 Timothy 1.16, May the Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. When he arrived in Rome, he searched for me earnestly and found me. Nobody thinks that Paul is just this awesome Christian and he's always fresh, man, and we just got to be like him. Nobody thinks that. Paul was constantly in need of refreshment. You have that here. Romans 15, 32, again, Paul, so that I may come to you with joy and be refreshed in your company. Paul says, if I can make it there and hang out with you, hanging out with you will be a refreshment to me. 2 Corinthians 7, 13, therefore we are comforted, and besides our own comfort, we rejoice still more at the joy of Titus, because his spirit has been refreshed by you all. It did him good to spend time with you all. It refreshed him. You have this in the scriptures all the time. In Acts chapter 3, what we read just a little bit ago with Austin, you have Peter preaching. He even says, Turn your lives to the Lord. Get focused on him. Trust in Christ. Repent of your sins. That times of refreshing may come to you. A fresh church is a refreshed church. Listen to this. Douglas Moo writes, Refresh translates a word that Paul uses elsewhere in a very similar sense. To refer, listen, to the heartening and encouraging effect that effective ministry has on people. Many ministries can appear to be successful, but have, in fact, only a superficial and therefore very temporary impact on believers. Churches, and indeed pastors, need to consider, does this place, does the work of this church, does my life, does our lives 
refresh you? Is God working in your life? He says this is what this word is about. Again, many ministries can appear to be successful but have in fact only a superficial and therefore very temporary impact on believers. He says Philemon's influence was not like that. They were refreshed by Philemon. They liked having Philemon in their lives. They liked being a part of the church with Philemon. It made them get back fresh. He goes on to say it literally means, not fresh, it literally means to rest on or rest from. I feel rested. It has a similar meaning. Listen to this. Fascinating. It has a similar meaning in Jesus' famous saying, famous saying from Matthew eleven twenty eight. It's the same word. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. When Jesus says that in Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, he is saying the same word that Paul longs for from Philemon. Refresh my heart in Christ. Spiritually speaking, make me feel rested. Give me rest. A church that is fresh or alive or vibrant, a Christian who's living with the joy of the Lord and the clean conscience of the forgiveness of sins and the happiness that comes from God, and the peace in their soul. That type of Christian or church is not the one that's better at life than everybody else. It's the one who's been refreshed by God and his people regularly, consistently, and often. The fresh church is a refreshed church. Well, more specifically then, what is refreshing to get more specific what does that actually showing up here listening singing what is it that's actually refreshing and this will be my third point how do we get fresh what is the refreshing church what gets refreshed we want to be fresh we know that life is about God we want to live like we are believing and following Christ. We want to be refreshed. Nobody wants to burn out or be boring or be a drag or living like life's miserable. We realize that freshness and being refreshed and refreshing is a thing from God. We realize that although we've taken a vacation before, hoping that that would clear the air, as soon as we get back, we're back feeling the way we were before we left. Matter of fact, we've been on vacations before and come back more tired than we were before the vacation. So clearly what I'm talking about is not just a physical. I'm looking for something on the spiritual level. I'm looking for what Paul calls a peace that surpasses all understanding. I'm talking about knowing God and having his presence in our lives. What can do that? What can bring me back to feeling that way? It comes from God. God often does this through his people. And this is what is so clearly seen in the book of Philemon. God is doing all kinds of refreshing in Philemon, and it is through his people. Have you ever heard somebody say something like, man, she is just so refreshing to be around. 
or I'm glad I get to spend time with him, or I love it when he's around. It just th- makes things so much better. Well, certainly you can say this about people who are just full of personality or full of charisma, but that's not the only way that that happens, right? There are people who, because of their relationship with God, strengthen your relationship with God. There are people that, because of their fresh relationship with God, it causes you to have a fresh relationship with God. And this is what we're seeing. Paul knows that Philemon does this in his church. Verse 7 says, the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. Paul is hearing about how Philemon is refreshing to those people in that church. And so Paul asks for Philemon to refresh him too. I want to be fresh, he says. He's looking to Philemon to make that happen. More specifically, he's looking to Philemon to make that happen in the way that he will exercise forgiveness from Forgiveness to Onesimus. And let me remind you that the Bible teaches us plain and simple, straightforward, that if you cannot forgive others, then your Father in heaven has not forgiven you or will not forgive you. For there is no sin done this direction that is worse than the sins that we have committed in this direction for God. Now, I know that life is hard and life hurts, but so are our ugly, wicked sins against God. And forgiveness is a real thing. And as our perspective this way, which could be a way to describe our freshness, as our perspective this way, our faith in God, our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ is fresh, is your perspective, is your trust, is what you're focused on, then it makes our perspective this way better, healthier, clearer, fresher. And Paul asks this from Philemon. I see you doing it with other people. Now do it for me now. And the way I want you to refresh me is specifically with this drama situation you've got with Onesimus. But take my word for it. God has changed his life. Trust in the Lord and see that. If you look at verse 20... That's where he says, yes, brother, I want some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. But look at verse 21. And tell me, is this not refreshing to the church, refreshing to the believer brother Paul in prison? Look at verse 21. Confident of your obedience, I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I Is that refreshing or what? You ever ask somebody to do something and they, may, they said they wanted to do it, but then they made you feel bad about it the whole time that you asked them to do it? If I do that to Val even one time, she'll say, forget it, I'll do it myself. It's not refreshing. Even doing something for somebody, which is supposed to be a, a gesture of help, is not refreshing. It burdens you more. Now I've got this chore to do and I've got your bad attitude carrying me with it, Right? It's not refreshing. Paul, in the midst of prison, writes to somebody who's been wronged by somebody that stole from him, writes to him and says, refresh my heart in Christ. And he says, I am confident of your obedience to what I'm asking and that you will do even more than what I ask. Isn't that awesome? And that is 
refreshing. You got anybody helpful in your life? You love them because they are helping you. And this is refreshing. And the church is to be made up of a bunch of fresh people. Not because they're so fresh, but because they're refreshed. And the reason why they're refreshed is because they're constantly being refreshing or re-refreshed by refreshing people that they're connected with. I'm glad that you asked. I'd be glad to. Thanks for asking. Can I do anything else? What about next week, right? And this type of serving, selfless attitude makes up who we are in God and we stay fresh on Him. This relationship is strengthened by these relationships. Now, not all of the letters that Paul writes are this way, but this story is so good. Let me just tell you a few. He says, we'll do even more than I say, and that's refreshing. Do you remember the story of the Good Samaritan? Remember that story? It's a classic, right? Classic story from Jesus. There was a man who was traveling down the road and some people came and jumped him and beat him up and took all of his money and left him there on the side of the road as dead. He wasn't dead, but he seemed to be dead. And right after that, a priest came and saw him and jumped to the other side of the road and avoided him. And after that, a Levite, a spiritual leader, a religious person came and see him and, and gets around him and doesn't do anything. So the priest, the religious person, the Levite, the religious person, both went around and wanted nothing to do with it. But the Samaritan, who should have been his enemy, who should not have regarded him, who could have thought other things about not helping him, stops and helps him and fixes him up and puts him on his donkey or whatever and takes him to an inn and gets him somewhere to stay. And it even says that the Samaritan said, here's a bunch of money, take good care of him. If you need any more after that, do whatever he needs. And when I get back, I'll pay you for that too. It's the idea of going above and beyond or doing a little bit more or just doing whatever is going to be helpful and refreshing. Just a couple of weeks ago, the, the, the city of Louisville Metro program did a program called Build a Bed. I'm sure you've heard of that. They do a lot of beds. It was all over the news. And they make all over the news, and they make beds for kids all over Jefferson County that do not have beds. And last year, they reached out to us and asked if we could help, and I said, glad to. I said, you let us know how many you need, and we will get it. Because they, they make the beds. The beds are donated by somebody. They make the beds, and then they want to provide, just to make it even better, they want to provide bedding for all the kids that are getting a new bed. And I said, you just let me know how many you need, and our church will be glad to do it. They said, hey, that's awesome. So they went through it, and they contacted me back, and they said how many they needed. Well, I called one couple in our church. I said, hey, if you'll go buy all that we need, we'll collect the money, and we'll pay you back. And they go to the store, they said, we'll take care of it. They sent me a text and said, hey, we found some on sale. We bought all you needed, and we don't even need you to pay us back. We'd be glad to. It's refreshing to me. The community center right up the street receives all of these things from us, and it didn't even have to include you. That's refreshing. One couple in the church carried all y'all on their back and represented you well and provided bedding for multiple kids in the community. It's refreshing. This week, I was getting ready for a baseball game up at the Youth League, and I got a call from some college students in our church that said, hey, we're going to get Mexican food tonight. They know that's a big plus for me. I love that. They said, hey, we're going to get some Mexican food tonight. We're going to have a Bible study at the restaurant. Would you like to come with us? I said, that's awesome. I said, I'm not able to. I won't be able to. But that was refreshing to me. Groups of people going out to dinner, wanting to have a Bible study together. That's awesome. We got a big group going to Ecuador this summer. There's a young lady in our church that's trying to go, and her parents go to a different church. 
It's about $1,500 to go on an Ecuador trip, and that's a lot. Not many people can drop that. Not a lot of young people can drop that. That's for sure. It's $1,500. That's a lot. She asked her parents if, she, if they thought their church would, would help her go. So she said, they'll talk to the church. They contact her back. They said, our church will give you $1,000 to go on that mission trip. It's awesome. A church that says young people are important. We want to invest in them. Even to somebody that's not even going to their church, that is very, very refreshing. That perspective is a good perspective. It reminds me of the people in our church that work third shift or work forward or work UPS. And they work an assembly line or something like that. And while they're working, they have their headphones in because with their headphones in, they can listen to sermons. They can listen to the sermons that they've missed. I had a family tell me that they were on vacation during spring break and they missed two sermons. And on the way back driving from Florida, they listened to all the sermons in the car with their family that they had missed. Is that not refreshing? The word of God is important. We want to hear that. We had to miss for vacation, but we didn't necessarily want to miss. Can I still listen to it? This type of stuff is refreshing. Faithfulness to God. Obedience to God. Doing the right thing for God's sake, for God's glory is refreshing we desire to be a fresh church but fresh churches are refreshed churches and refreshed churches are refreshed because they are constantly refreshing each other look back to the book of Philemon in case you miss in the midst of all of this that it really does come back to just somebody being a happy person or something like that. I want you to see here in verses four through seven how much faith in Christ is the key. I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers because I hear of your love and of the faith that you have toward the Lord Jesus and for all the saints. Verse six, here's his prayer. And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. Do you see that? It is Philemon's faith in Christ and his relationship with Jesus that keeps him going. And Paul's prayer is that your faith in Christ would be a blessing to others' faith in Christ. He doesn't have to use the word refresh there like he does, but he says that because of your relationship with Christ and the way your life connects with others, may they have a relationship with Christ. So in the midst of church life and Christianity and trying to live right or live for God, may you never mistake that it's just about you doing well or you being happy or even worse, your positive attitude. But rather, may you see that a person that looks to Christ is being refreshed in their spirit. And when somebody else is seeing or observing or being impacted or served or interacting with somebody who has a faith in Christ, the result of that is a refreshment for them to have faith in Christ. The very idea of us meeting together is refreshing. The very idea of taking the Lord's Supper together is refreshing. If you're here today and you think, 
I often feel like I need refreshing. Would you hear today from the book of Philemon? Would you see the power of God to bring refreshing? Let me remind you yet again that the Bible says that God loves you. When the Bible says that God loves you, it includes with it that God did something about it. He sent Jesus to die on the cross for your sins. Death, offense, Shame, guilt, all of those terms are included in the love of God when he sent Jesus to the cross to be what you struggle with, to be what you deal with, to be your problems, your issues, and your sin, your offenses, your rebellion, your everything that is against God. Jesus became it because of God's love, and he died for us, and God raised him up. And when God raised him up, it lets us know He is victorious over sin, death, and the devil. And anybody who will turn from their sins and trust in Christ will be loved by God forever, safe in him, eternal life. That message is refreshing. May we cling to it, and may we refresh each other with it. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the story of Philemon. Thank you, God, for Paul dealing with him, writing this letter, teaching us how to long for freshness. God, please remove from our minds this idea of positive attitude or just good people that bring freshness. Father, let us see that it's actually our faith in Christ, our perspective on your love for us. Father, may we be a fresh church, a refreshed church, and a refreshing church. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.